Hello, Moneda Moves listeners, and welcome back. We are coming to you at the end of a busy news week, in part courtesy of the Supreme Court. LGBT rights advocates had a big win at the Supreme Court Monday, winning a sweeping decision for justices that protects gay, lesbian, and transgender employees in the workplace from being fired, demoted, or paid less based on their sexual orientation. A 6-3 victory to those arguing for anti-discrimination protections. This Thursday, June 18th, the Supreme Court also blocked President Donald Trump's effort to end legal protections for 650,000 young immigrants. Immigrants who are part of the eight-year-old Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program will retain their protection from deportation and authorization to work in the United States. The decision was a 5-4 to four outcome, with Chief Justice John Roberts and four liberal justices in the majority. On this episode, we speak about what these decisions mean for how companies will respond to the LGBT decision and what the DACA decision means for Latinos and their contributions to the economy. I invited Mo Vela, the first Latino and LGBT to serve twice in the White House in a senior executive role, to speak to this on this episode. Vela was born and raised in the southern tip of Texas on the Mexican border and proudly Mexican-American. He was CFO and senior advisor on Latino and LGBT matters to Vice President Al Gore. He was also most recently director of management and administration and senior advisor on Latino and LGBT affairs to Vice President Joe Biden. He is an attorney and owns the Mo Vela Group, a global business development consulting firm with clients in the United States and Latin America. We got his take on these decisions and commentary on business trends he's noticing from Latino clients and what the future could hold for the next generation of Latinos powering the American economy. Welcome back. You're listening to the Moneda Moves podcast. I'm your host, Leanne Alfaro, and here we'll be talking about Latinos, money, and our role in the American economy. I'm a multimedia producer living in New York City, and we're going to be covering Keeping Cuentas, or tabs on all things Latinos and money in the U.S., speaking with potentes, or the next generation of entrepreneurs, and monedita. How to put your money where your mouth is and support the Latino community. Welcome to the show. No te lo quieres perder. appreciate you inviting me to be on your podcast. I'm honored to be with you, Leanne. And I'm honored to be with you, Mo. Thank you so much for making the time and joining us here. Oh my God, anytime. I'm so proud of you, seriously. You know, before we started recording, I said it, I want to say it uh, on the recording because I think it's more important that people understand that we need to thank people like you who are out there out front uh, demonstrating to not only our nation, but to the world, uh, the contributions that that Latinos are making, that we are in our community that we're making across all industries and sectors, that we are an enormous part of the economic growth of this nation and the economic engine of this nation. And frankly, we're the future of the country. So thank you for what you're doing. I commend you, I congratulate you, and I'm deeply proud of you. Thank you. And indeed, we are the future of this country. And I do want to talk a little bit by speaking to to your expertise that you can offer here. 
I mean, we had two big decisions come in this week. One, the Supreme Court ruling on Thursday uh, today um, to block the Trump administration's attempt to end the deferred action for childhood arrivals. And then also the LGBT triumph from earlier this week, banning discrimination and establishing these anti-discrimination protections. So let's start with the with the earlier news from this week. Can you tell us a little bit more about this and how will this affect companies and companies' wallets? Yeah, you know, there were several aspects of the Supreme Court ruling earlier this week on the LGBT civil rights protection uh, that was established um, that I think uh, some were shocking to some, others were obviously uh, elated uh, by, the, uh, by the ruling. But l- let's just dissect it for a second. I think the surprise for most people was that there wasn't just one quote-unquote conservative justice that was in the majority opinion on this ruling, but there were two, including the Chief Justice himself, uh, but uh, the majority opinion was written, as you probably know, from uh, Justice Gorsuch. Um, this had to be an incredible blow to the Trump administration, to Donald Trump himself. Um, and and uh, in that t- these two, quote unquote, on conservative justices clearly ruled uh, with the four progressive justices that that under the protective class under Title IX of the Civil Rights Act, that under the protected class of sex, Uh, in this case, meaning gender, right? Um, That under that protective class now falls LGBTQ uh, Americans in the workplace. So fundamentally what they are saying is uh, that regardless of whether you rely on the feud, the historic feud, which is the typical Supreme Court feud, which is the Scalia of the world, Scalia's of the world who are textualists, right? They said, you just have to read the words on, in the law and that will tell you how to rule, right? Versus the interpretive jurists. Uh, this has been a long running feud um, between textualists and interpret, interpretive jurists. It, look what happened here. Of the six, you had two who are traditionally textualists, the Chief Justice and, the, and Justice Gorsuch, and you had our four progressive justices who tend to be interpretive in nature. And guess what? They came to the same conclusion, Leanne. And that, in my opinion, makes this ruling that much more powerful. Okay? So that's one aspect of it. The political aspect I alluded to a second ago, this is a huge blow to Trump and his supporters uh, for their anti-LGBTQ, you know, uh, ideological stances and their policies and actions they continue to engage in. Uh, to do anything to uh, encourage the discrimination, frankly, and the disenfranchisement of our LGBTQ community. This is a big blow to them politically. Um, And then third, you asked how it affects money and business. So here's what I said all week since the ruling uh, in media interviews. If you were an employer who respected and celebrated your employees and your workforce, you treated them with dignity, you treated them with respect, regardless of the color of their skin, who they loved, their zip code, or any other category, guess what? This ruling doesn't affect you at all, right? No impact on you as an employer because you were always doing the right thing and you were doing right by humanity. 
if you are a business or an employer that has been firing people because of who they love, uh, because, uh, and I love the example, by the way, uh, in the ruling by uh, Justice Gorsuch. I love this. Mm-hmm. Example. I am reading that right now. I have that right? in front of me. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he what? said, he said an employer who fires, is, is this it? An employer who fires an individual for being homosexual or transgender fires that person for traits or actions. It would not have questioned in members of a different sex. Exactly. It's and clear his, as daylight. Exactly. And his example blew me away. So you have one worker in your workforce. It's a man and he's attracted to a man. And you have a female in your workforce who's attracted to a man. You fire the man because he's attracted to a man. Under Gorsuch's ruling and rationale, you are actually now discriminating based on sex. And that is how he came to his conclusion. And that's why he came to his ruling uh, in the majority opinion. So in other words, you're treating the woman differently than the man, but they're both attracted to a man. So now you're discriminating against him based on his sex, his gender. And honestly, there, there couldn't have been a better, more crystal example Clear, of it, that I kind agree. of, that, that shows the kind of um, hypocrisy of, of anyone well, who, who would continue to do that, but also writes it down on paper in a way that, that as you said, you were, you were talking earlier about the way that different people interpret the law. Yeah. Um, and, and this makes it as, as clear as daylight, no matter if you're, if you're coming at it from a, a text perspective or a social justice perspective, you will come to the same conclusion. Exactly. And I thought that was a very powerful part of this that most people don't think about, right? Like, you know, those of us in the LGBTQ community, obviously we're just jumping up and down because we can't get fired for who we love, you know, and we can't get fired for who we are. Um, and so to us, most LGBTQ uh, community members are just elated as we should be and as they should be. Um, but of course, me as an attorney and a political science kind of guy, uh, you know, I went a little further into the dissection and realizing to me, it, it makes this ruling so much more powerful because of what you and I were just describing. So uh, to me, this ruling is, look, I think it says a lot. I just think it also sends a message. Um, this is another part of this, Leanne, that a lot of people aren't talking about because they don't think in these terms, and I get it, but this is important. One of the reasons a democracy remains strong and vibrant, right, is when we remain uh, committed to the fact that we had three equal branches of government that were supposed to be independent and stand on their own. And to me, this ruling, when you have two conservative justices in the same majority opinion with four progressive justices, it, it indicated to me that the independence of our judiciary remains alive and well. And that gives me hope that our democracy will survive this incredible um, uh, attempt by Donald Trump and his uh, administration and the Republican Party right now at dismantling many aspects of our democracy. So this ruling really gave me hope that that independence of that branch of government remains strong and healthy. And, and that's incredible. That's an incredible feat. Now, we also had a second piece of news, Mo. And honestly, I, I was so excited to get you on an interview earlier this week, but in this sense, I am glad that I'm interviewing you today, Thursday, when the Supreme Court rejected President Trump's effort to end legal protections for 650,000 or so 
mm. young immigrants. Um, and, and, and this is ahead of yeah. very personal, I think, for a lot of people in the Latino community. But I, I, I open the floor to just hear your reaction on this because it's so fresh. Yeah. Well, I, I tell you, I did an interview earlier on it, and I have to tell you, I got emotional uh, because I'll tell you, I come from a different perspective on this ruling. Again, similar to the LGBTQ ruling, uh, we should be celebrating. We are all celebrating, uh, hopefully not just Latinos, but anybody with a fair-minded approach to life, anybody with a heart, mm. anybody with compassion and the spirit of inclusion should be celebrating with the dreamers and us in the Latino community. I don't think we should stop celebrating. But where I come at it a little differently is after the celebrating, I come to this realization that um, there's a sadness to it for me. And I'll tell you where I'm coming from. I said live on television this afternoon, I'll say it on your podcast. It still doesn't take away the question for me, and I hope not for anybody else, that I think we have to ask, why would Donald Trump, his administration, and his supporters, why, why, why would you ever want to prevent these people, these amazing contributing members of our American society and our American family, who are on the front lines who are emergency room doctors and nurses in this pandemic, who are our teachers and psychologists and our doctors and lawyers, and who are playing a role in our American society every minute of every day to make our lives better. How cruel and hateful must you be to have wanted to keep them from being able to remain here as part of our family. And that is where I'm at at this moment in time. I'm celebrating, yes. Thank you, Chief Justice Roberts, for siding with the four progressive justices. We thank you for doing the right thing, but it does not erase the fact that Donald Trump and his administration and the people who are enabling him to do this, Leanne, why, how, how could you be so cruel? How could you be so hateful? How could you be so inhumane? And that is what pisses me off. This is a business discussion. This is a money discussion. This is not a, um, a, a philanthropy discussion. This no, is not an altruism not discussion. Not charity. No. Yep. Mm -mm. yep. No, Moneda I, Moves is the name of your show, right? That is it. That is well, it. Let me tell you and, something. This is about moving Moneda. Absolutely. This is about the contribution of new businesses like your own and your consulting firm. This is about the fact that Latinas are among the top contributors to new entrepreneurship Absolutely. and new small businesses one. in the U.S. when you compare across all groups. Uh, number one for the last decade at least. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but let me tell you, let's talk about these dreamers. You know, this is about moneda moves, right? Because let me tell you something. For anybody who was trying to prevent them from being able to stay here safely, after, by the way, let's go back to the basics here, okay? This is something people just forget to go back to the basics. They came here at the ages of one and three and six and 12 and 14. They had no say in whether they were coming to this nation. Right. They were brought here by parents who 
were willing to sacrifice whatever it took, walking across a desert, swimming across a river, getting on the top of a train, riding in the back of a truck, paying somebody every little penny they had earned through their labor and toil to get here for a better life. But the fact of the matter is that the dreamers we're talking about, these 650,000 human beings we're talking about had no choice in the matter. Not one iota of a say. They are kids. They were kids. They, they were kids, yeah. And so, so many people overlook that important fact because that is the premise of the discussion. So now they're here at no choice of their own. This is who they know. This is what they know. This is the language they learned, right? And, and then they go on to be our frontline workers. They're in our military. I think this is a big part of conversation when we're talking about money and Latinos and this decision today that tends to be missed, right? We, we, talk, about, we, 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 talk, about, we talk about the children. We talk about um, the immigration issues. We yeah. don't talk about, especially right now, especially today, contributions. Again, like we said, mm -hmm. this is not a altruistic uh, philanthropy effort. We don't talk about the fact that right now during the pandemic, who are these essential workers that oh, have been supporting us? And why is it that Latinos and Black people have been getting sick? Yep. Why, why do we think? Mm. They have been in our grocery stores. They have been in our hospitals. They have been in all of these public spaces serving us. That's right. That's exactly right. They kept this country going. Okay, and, and then you have a president who wants to deprive them and deny them of the right to stay here safely, healthily, with respect, with dignity, after they have been doing exactly what you just described for him and for everyone else in this nation. Shame on you if you think that way. Shame. I'm embarrassed for them. But let's, let's focus on the money for a second. Mm -hmm. You're talking, these are folks who are contributing every minute of every day to this economy. Latinos are the youngest and the largest minority group in America. That's where I was headed. Mm -hmm. uh, towards, who are contributing, but also towards on a path to becoming the largest share of the US labor force. So right. if, if we're ignoring this population, which if we're ignoring immigration, we're ignoring Latinos and that goes vice versa. That's exactly right. And you're we're ignoring the, the, the majority. That's exactly right. And, you know, remember, you've got states like California and Texas and many others now. I think New York is almost there that are what, what I what we you use the phrase majority minority. Those are majority minority states. When you combine the Latino population with the African-American population in those states, those states are now majority minority. And and so when you want to talk about money, that means that uh, that means that they're contributing probably a majority of the economic infrastructure of those states. Right. So, uh, again, um, you 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 try to deny dreamers, you're you're slapping the entire Latino community in the face. And if you're slapping the Latino community in the face, you are telling us that our economic contributions that you and I are describing here in the trillions of dollars to this nation uh, that you don't honor, respect and appreciate our contributions economically and financially to this nation and we are its economic future. So you know what? If you're on that side, you better, you better straighten up, get your act together, wake up, and start recognizing the fact that without us in the Latino community, without these dreamers as well, the future of this nation will be bleak. So it's time for us to step up, 
stand up, rise up, and demand that we're treated with respect and inclusion and equality. Hard stop. Thank you, Mo. Um, and, and, and I should add, you would know plenty about this and then some because you do run a global business development consulting firm with clients in the U.S. and Latin America. So transitioning a little bit to my last question here, what do we see Latinos kind of spending their time on in terms of business? Obviously, this is a, a very unusual time for the United States, but if there's anything we know about Latino people and Latino entrepreneurs is that they tend to, to lean into opportunity. As we what, say in Spanish, se ponen las pilas. Se, claro que sí, sí, exactly. <laughs> Thank you for saying that here. Yep, nos ponemos las pilas. We got, we got our... Uh, directly translated our batteries on we we figure it out we make it happen we figure out a way to make it work well, so we're, we're a resilient people mm -hmm. um and a resourceful people um and i think that is uh why you see the fact that you and the data that you alluded to earlier when you said that for many years in a row now latinas have been the uh largest number uh, of startups in the united states of businesses of small businesses and it's always been the Latinas. And again, it just, just reflects our resiliency and our resourcefulness. But what I'm seeing is this. I think, I think um, what, let me tell you what I would, rather than to tell you what I, I'm seeing, uh, because I continue to see that resiliency. So that's really the answer to that question. We continue to see Latinos being resourceful and resilient. We continue to see our community taking a leadership role in starting small businesses and, and being entrepreneurial. And that brings me, I'm sure as well to you, a lot of pride. But here's what I hope to see, Leanne, uh, in furtherance of your podcast message of Moneda Moves and our Latino contributions to the economy. I wanna encourage Latinos who watch and listen your, to your podcast, or I should say listen to your podcast. Uh, I wanna encourage them. We've got to now start looking at industries and sectors that we don't, we aren't traditionally involved in. I think that will be a huge uh, movement forward for our Latino community and our contributions to not only our nation's economy, but to the global economy. What do I mean by that? We've got to go and look at, get Latinos, encourage them to get into cryptocurrency, into uh, software service technology, to any form of biotechnology, to the STEM, um, industries and sectors, science, technology, right? Uh, math. Um, and so we've got to keep encouraging Latinos to start businesses in sectors and in industries where we aren't expected to break stereotypes, right? Um, mm -hmm. And this is where I, I, you know, I don't mean to talk about myself, uh, but, but I, this is where I always bring in an, my example of you know, serving twice in the White House and breaking down that barrier. So to come back and do it a second time, I took a 72% cut in pay to come serve Vice President Biden the second time. I literally took a 72% cut in pay, gave up an enormous ownership role in a real estate development company. Um, and I did it because we've got to be doing things like that so that now somebody can do it three times, right? And so that more Latinos can come in the pipeline and go and break down those barriers, knock down those doors, um, you know, keep showing that we can do anything, anything. There is no industry nor sector 
that we cannot participate in and lead in. And therefore, you bring it back to the economy and to moneda and to you know, our contributions. The more we break into new sectors and in new industries and go lead and show and demonstrate our talents and our gifts and contributions to the nation and the world, the more people will then recognize the incredible contributions we are making today and that we will continue to make into the future. And so that is what I see and that is what I hope to see soon. I love that message. That is, that is the message that, that we need to hear and also act on. And for those people who are in these positions to, to, to listen to this and, and figure out what is the role we play in this and helping the next generation. Absolutely. And more junior generations. It is about them. It is about them. We, one thing about us as Latinos, you know, we tend to be thinking about comunidad, about community, about familia, about our family, claro. about our nation. Um, and, and we really, we tend to be a somewhat of a selfless culture. It, we, you know, you don't really see too much in our culture about me, me, me. Uh, it's usually about us and we. Mm-hmm. And so I hope that we take that cultural tradition and never lose that. Because sometimes, unfortunately, Latinos fall prey to the same thing that anybody else does, which is you achieve a successful career move or a title, or you make a little bit of American history, or you make some money, and all of a sudden you start abandoning these beautiful traditions of our Latino culture, and you forget about uh, that we and us, and you start thinking more about me and I. And so I caution our Latinos as we continue to climb the ladders of success in our respective journeys of life, in our careers, in our relationships, um, that we never abandon or lose those beautiful traditions of remain, bringing people along with you, Leanne, right? Bringing yeah. people with you, uh, knocking down barriers so others can come behind you, to remember that it isn't just about yourself, that it's about all of us as a community, and frankly, about all of us as Americans, and all of us in the human family. And I think too often we lose sight of those things. And I hope your listeners uh, take heed. And when they reach those pinnacles, they uh, take people with them. And they've got people by their side. And they, um, they make it just a little easier for the generation behind them. Wholeheartedly agree, Mo. Thank you so much for all your time and your expertise to weigh in on on these big decisions happening this week, as well as your your entire profession and and what you've done with your career. Really hope that this inspires some people to to take action and and know that uh, history is is something that we can. It's still in the making, and, and we can de- we definitely have the power to to shape it. That's exactly right. And I'll leave you with my one of my favorite mantras in life. We mustn't ever let our past determine our destiny.